On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll discuss a pair of Mariners trades and Joey Votto's Homer binge. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm Al Melker. I am here with Derek Van Riper on Wednesday, July 28th. Super busy show today, DVR. So I'm digging right in here uh, with a couple of trades from the Mariners. Uh, they have sent Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero to the Astros, getting back uh, Abraham Toro and Joe Smith. And uh, Toro actually appearing in uh, Tuesday night's game and hitting a pinch hit home run. So uh, endearing himself to the Mariners fans right away. I was surprised to see that uh, Graveman really not getting a lot of swing and miss this year, particularly on pitches in the zone. Uh, But I'm assuming he's mostly filling a setup role for the Astros. So I would think his appeal is, is, is uh, actually less than it was with the Mariners. Yeah, I agree. I think Ryan Presley is one of the more firmly entrenched closers in the league. So unless something on the injury front changes with Presley, Graveman is droppable in most mixed leagues. I think Toro has always been pretty interesting. And I think Toro is exactly the type of player that you're going to see frequently moved at the trade deadline as teams in the last few years have become increasingly reluctant to deal top 100 prospects, especially top 50 prospects, the best you can do if you're a team like Seattle is to get a guy that maybe was in that 50 to 100 range a couple years ago who's graduated, who hasn't had a chance to play, and you trade for that player and hope that maybe you got someone who just never had the chance to prove they absolutely belonged in that list the entire time. Do you think he gets a playing time uptick? Uh, And understanding that Toro was playing a lot with Alex Bregman out, but do you think that that continues for him uh, with the Mariners now? Yeah, I think he's versatile enough, and I think because they don't have a locked-in DH necessarily, they could just play him a lot in that spot, too. I I see him as an everyday player for the rest of the season. I think he's going to be one of the more intriguing players to talk about as a waiver-wire pickup this weekend. All right, and the Mariners also picking up Tyler Anderson from the Pirates for a couple of prospects, catcher Carter Benz and right-hander Joaquin Tejada. Uh, Up, down, the same for Anderson in terms of uh, fantasy appeal. Up just because Seattle's a better team than Pittsburgh. Um, I think in terms of park and overall skills I and mean, crossing over from NL to AL is a little bit tougher since the AL still has the DH. But the AL West is a relatively soft landing spot as a division. So I would say this is a slight gain for Tyler Anderson's value. All right. And uh, another deal as well. The Reds getting Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson from the Yankees for a player to be named later. Well, let's get to some of the health and injury news. Uh, Max Scherzer has been cleared to start on Thursday against the Phillies, assuming he does make that start for the Nationals. Obviously, Scherzer uh, not only coming off of the triceps injury, but the target of many trade rumors. So uh, we'll see what happens in the next 24 to 36 hours there with Max Scherzer. Trey Turner has tested positive for COVID. COVID-19. He left the Nationals game early on Tuesday. Uh, Also for the Brewers, Christian Yelich and Jace Peterson, they go on the COVID-19 IL. Yelich uh, with a positive test, uh, though he has been vaccinated. Uh, Aaron Judge going the other way, coming off of the COVID-19 IL for the Yankees. Luke Voigt could return for the Yankees as soon as this coming weekend. Carlos Carrasco uh, pretty much is expected 
going to start for the Mets this Friday against the Reds. I'm assuming probably not enough innings uh, coming uh, from him to to start him outside of pretty deep leagues. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, you could do worse, but I mean, 70, 75 pitches maybe is the, the max. You have to be really efficient to get through five high-quality innings if your pitch count is anywhere in that range. They could certainly give him a hook a little earlier if they don't want to push him too hard. All righty, and possibly also returning this weekend, Mookie Betts could be a, a short stay for him on the IL, uh, maybe back when he is eligible on Sunday. Jared Walsh was not in the Angels lineup against uh, the Rockies on Tuesday night, so still dealing with his uh, abdomen injury. Mitch Garver seems to be okay, had x-rays, was hit by a pitch on his right hand, uh, just diagnosed with a contusion. Those x-rays were negative. Jake Berger sent down to AAA Charlotte, not surprising with the activation of Eloy Jimenez. Uh, Luis Robert, his rehab has been moved to AAA Charlotte, so still no exact timetable on his return, but obviously Robert progressing there. Danny Duffy, he could be back in three to four weeks. Again, whether that's with the Royals or with another team, that remains to be seen. Steven Strasburg, his season is done. He is having thoracic outlet surgery. And a few closer notes here. Taylor Rogers, pretty much as expected, going on the IL with a sprained finger. And then further um, weakening the Twins' uh, bullpen depth, at least in the short term. He left Tuesday's game with dizziness. And the Tigers activating Michael Fulmer on Tuesday. He did pitch in their game on Tuesday night, uh, but came in with the Tigers trailing in the fifth inning. So not a high leverage situation there for Fulmer. Uh, DVR, what do you expect from Fulmer from here on out? Do you think that the Tigers will move him into a higher leverage role? Do you think they'll move him to another team? Uh, what's your expectation there? Yeah, I think he'll have a new team by the weekend. Uh, and I think most likely it's in a bridge role, kind of similar to what happened to Kendall Graveman. All right. So, yeah, not much impact there, at least in the in the fantasy world. So uh, busy day for uh, trades and injury news. Also busy day in terms of some interesting performances on the field. Uh, we'll start with the pitchers. Cal Quantrill, a nice start, and he's now really putting together a chain of some nice starts. Six innings, one run on four hits and a walk, five strikeouts against the Cardinals. Uh, his ERA now on the season down to 3.66, and his last three starts combined, uh, 17 innings, just three runs allowed, 12 strikeouts, uh, six walks, and one homer. So this is kind of the story with Quantrill, DVR, that the ratios are not really all that impressive and yet he just keeps getting the job done so where does that leave him in terms of fantasy appeal the thing that's concerning to me is that he's not missing that many bats if he had sort of ho-hum ratios was missing a lot of bats strikeout per inning sort of situation i'd be okay with it because you'd have that category to fall back on job security should be there they've had so many injuries in cleveland and he's giving them depth right now he's gone at least five innings and five consecutive starts they need that in the absolute worst way so uh, probably an on again off again sort of guy in deeper mixed leagues but good enough to be rostered if not rostered all the time all right. And a couple other pitchers to talk about. I don't think there's really necessarily anything here moving the needle, but just starts that are worth noting. Logan Webb with the tough matchup against the Dodgers came through just one run over six innings, five strikeouts for him. Austin Gomber against the Angels. Just a, a very encouraging start because his first start that he had off of the IL, uh, not a lot of swing and miss. But in this one, Gomber gets seven strikeouts in six innings and only allowing two runs in Anaheim. So Webb and Gomber, a couple of really encouraging 
pitching starts there. Uh, let's go to the hitters. Joey Votto continues to mash two more home runs uh, on Tuesday against the Cubs. He's up to 17 on the season and now has five home runs in his last four games. Austin Riley with a two homer game. He's now up to 19 on the season. Uh, obviously, you know, players of different trajectories in their career. Uh, are you, is this changing anything for you in terms of Joey Votto, given that, you know, he's kind of had an established level uh, over the last few seasons? Yeah, I think this is a, a big win for Derek Cardi's projection system, the bat, because the bat was by far the outlier on Votto during draft season. I didn't hold him through the injury earlier this year because I just didn't expect him to come back to this level. I thought he was trading power for a lot less batting average. And anyway, it's a long way of saying I think what Votto's doing this year is kind of his new normal. It's not peak Votto anymore, but much like Andrew McCutcheon, who we talked about yesterday. This plays. This actually works. Uh, and I think with Austin Riley, I mean, he's got a little more swing and miss in his profile. I think he'll always have that. And I think that will always make him susceptible to the typical hot streaks and cold streaks of your mashing corner guy. So I, the hardest thing about Riley is just being confident enough to leave him in your lineup when things are not going well. We've seen him hold the K rate that he had in the shortened season. I think there were some questions as to whether or not he could hold that much of an improvement. He struck out 36.4% of the time when he debuted in 2019. If he stays in this like 24% range, that's totally fine, especially since he draws walks and the counting stats when everyone's healthy in that lineup, which is not the case right now, could be above average. So I think Riley, I'm more on the keep playing him side than the be careful with him side. But I also would say, don't just assume he's in your lineup for the next two months because things could turn again for him. That's just the type of hitter he's been to this point. All right. So more home runs than Austin Riley or Joey Votto or Jesse Winker, even Brandon Lau with his 22nd home run uh, on Tuesday against the Yankees, part of a three for four game for him. So he has certainly been hitting much better of late. Is he somebody that we now could be confident in uh, to just stick him in the lineup and leave him there uh, rest of season? Yeah, similar profile, I guess, but uh, I, I don't know if I want to go all the way to just leave him in. I think you do have to be a little more careful matchup-wise with him. Lefties, if he has a lefty-heavy schedule for a week, should push him to the bench. Like If he's got six games in a week and two are against left-handed starters, I'm at least looking at the alternatives I have in my roster to see if they have better matchups or maybe a seventh game. All right. And Brian Anderson, somebody I think who's easy to overlook. He's been hurt a lot of the season, not hitting as well, but really starting to turn it around lately in a big game uh, in Baltimore on uh, Tuesday, three for four, uh, his fifth home run and his fourth steal of the season. So that's a category I don't think uh, we necessarily think of with Brian Anderson, but he's delivering there. He's now 18 for his last 50 with three homers and three steals. So where should he be added? I think at least down to 12-team mixers, if not 10-team mixers, because the playing time is so stable for Brian Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. And don't think he's going anywhere uh, prior to the deadline. And just a final note here, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, yeah, he is definitely back to hit game on Tuesday at Kansas City. First home run of the season. So, yeah, should probably start him. Yep, get him back in those lineups. <laughs> if you haven't already, definitely do so. All right, well, let's take a look at the uh, pitching streaming options for Wednesday slate. A lot of interesting ones here. Jake Odorizzi at Seattle. Um, 
Now, I've noted recently that Odorizzi has been getting a lot more ground balls of late, uh, fewer swings and misses, but this is a nice matchup. Uh, Seattle's still uh, not only the 30th ranking team in terms of home Woba, but by like a big margin, like 20, 25 point margin. So still a very good matchup there against the Mariners uh, at their home park. Andrew Haney gets the Rockies in Anaheim, but that that matchup didn't really work out for Jose Suarez on Tuesday. Uh, Adrian Hauser at Pittsburgh, another good matchup there. Willie Peralta at the Twins. Madison Bumgarner at Texas. We like all these matchups for sure. A couple of pretty favorable matchups for Bumgarner last two times out. Pittsburgh and the Chicago Cubs. And uh, good overall results for Bumgarner, even with the decreased velocity. And finally, Zach Davies. Probably the toughest matchup here. He gets the Reds at Wrigley Field, but his last six starts, kind of like Brad Keller, getting the job done, even if the ratios aren't always what you like to see. Um, 338 ERA uh, over his last six starts. Like most of the group, I mean, I think I like them in the order you listed them. I don't know if you ranked them on purpose or if that was just the order that you've kind of found them, put them on the rundown. But uh, I would say Odorizzi, one, Haney, two, Hauser, three, Bumgarner, four, Peralta versus Davies. I'd actually rather use Davies because he's at home. So if there was one guy that I wasn't going to use from this group as a streamer, it's Willie Peralta. All right. Yeah, that pretty much was my right quartering. <laughs> so we differ a little bit at the bottom. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap up here with a couple of prospects to pay attention to. Hoy Park just uh, traded the other day from the Yankees to the Pirates. So um, he certainly has an opportunity at some point this season to to see time with the the big club. He hit uh, 327 with AAA uh, Scranton Wilkes-Barre and a 475 OBP. And Tobias Myers, it seems like I'm always talking about raised pitchers in the segment. Uh, uh, but he's one we haven't gotten to yet, and he's having uh, something of a breakout season this year. Mostly Triple A, or I'm sorry, Double A Montgomery, and actually recently threw six perfect innings, and then got promoted to Triple A Durham last week. So, Park Myers, uh, what's your view on these two prospects, both short and long term? I mean, Park is versatile enough to find playing time. I assume Gregory Polanco is no longer a pirate after the deadline. He's probably a bench player somewhere else, even if the pirates are paying the salary. So you could shuffle the infield around or the outfield around and make the pieces fit to get a guy like Park an opportunity. Just see if he's a part of your future. Uh, I think Tobias Myers is really interesting because the old write-up I read over at Fangraphs, by old, I just mean from the winter, pointed to him as more of a depth arm. But I think we could have guys like him who had good grades on their pitches, by the way, a 55 fastball, a 55 curveball. Guys like that who didn't pitch in competitive game settings in 2020 could have taken huge steps forward in terms of stuff or command, and we couldn't have possibly seen it until the minor league season started this year. So he looks like a guy that has absolutely pitched himself onto the radar, if not necessarily a top 100 prospect, a guy that could be maybe a bulk, uh, like a follower for the Rays at some point in the future or a nice trade chip for them. All right. And uh, yeah, possibly some value even in that follower role, as we have seen with some raised pitchers. So that's going to be it this for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And if you do have an opportunity to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast, we greatly appreciate it. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Thursday. <laughs>